Welcome to Sports Performance Radio, the science of athletic excellence. Welcome everyone to Sports Performance Radio. I am your host, B. Chavez, and this is not just a Sports Performance Radio, but a Sports Performance Radio Extra. And that leaves me with the perfect opportunity to explain just what that means. Um, Anybody that's been with me since the beginning of this show knows that it is very much a work in progress. Every single episode and every uh, period in between is uh, a learning curve and a lot of growth development. And... What I've arrived at is my original premise for the show was a very tech-based, science-based show. The concept was I prefer to interview the methods and not the person. And uh, for me, for me personally, the the persona I have and then the, the following I've developed, that seemed like the perfect and obvious avenue. It seemed like the way to do it. And uh, and it definitely is. And I've put out some really great shows. I've had Pat Castelli and uh, Andrew Triana and uh, Lyle McDonald's show was gigantic. Uh, almost a thousand views on that show. So those shows definitely work. But then I kept finding this additional material, kind of the quote extra. Um, just little rants I've done, things that I've, I've talked to, people that I've talked to um, kind of after the recording, uh, after the main uh, yeah, SPR show, uh, you know, just some bleed over, some additional recording, and a lot of that material was good, and good enough that I thought, wow, I really ought to bring this to the public, but unfortunately, it just doesn't meet the sports performance radio model. What do I do with it? How do I do it? Do I start another show? Do I uh, submit it to other shows as, you know, as media? Uh, and anyway, the, the, the what has come of it is this concept of the sports performance radio extra. It's a show that doesn't necessarily fall in line with the interviewing the methods, not the person, but it's still good material, relevant material, material that I'm happy and comfortable putting my name and my moniker on, but it's not really SPR. It's not Sports Performance Radio. So that's exactly what these extra shows are going to be. And another thing that has developed out of this learning curve is Sports Performance Radio shall be published on the first of every month. One show per month, that's it. I feel that that gives me enough time to really find and develop a good show, and it's often enough that you won't lose track of me or lose interest. Uh, And then the Sports Performance Radio's uh, extras, the extra show, shall be published on the 15th of every month. So roughly you've got a show every two weeks, with the main show being once a month. So that's the format that I've fallen into. Um, That's kind of the layout I'm going to follow, at least for the rest of this year, at least for all of 2016. Uh, I'm the kind of person that once I commit to a path, I really feel that I have to run it until the wheels fall off before I abandon it. So that's the system that's going to be in play. Two shows a month, first and 15th, main show on the first. And again, this is the extra show. And a little more uh, background on what's developed is just kind of my general layout. Um, If you've survived this show this far, uh, you'll notice that there was a little audio intro, a little sports performance radio intro there. Um, Not necessarily enamored with it. I don't know if it's the final answer, but I'm trying. I know when I set out to make this show in the beginning, I said that, uh, you know, the fancy 
editing and fancy uh, production values would be very low, and, and, and they still are, but I'm trying. I'm learning at the fastest pace possible. So that's the first foray into that, so you'll find more of that coming in the future. And as far as a general structure and layout, I want exactly what you're getting now. I want that audio intro. I want five or ten minutes from me covering current events, news, sort of thing you're getting right now. And then a segment, a segment break, and then your main guest. So the show is very much taking shape, taking form. I'm very pleased with it. I'm really pleased with the la the uh, responses that we've gotten so far. So that's just your that's going to serve as your news segment for today. Now, now what I want to give you next is um well it, it it's just a it's just a bitch. It's the sort of thing that I would have otherwise put on my video blog, but it seems ideal to go here. And uh um. Those of you that know me from the old show know that I can I can get pretty fired up about a relatively stupid thing. Well, th this is probably a prime example of that. But damn it, I just about pulled my hair out yesterday over this very subject. Um, I you know being evil genius, being Bishavez, doing what I do, I very often find myself in a position where I review someone's records, be they training records, nutritional records, or even pharmacological records. And my my task is to interpret them. Uh, make suggestions, basically your consultant position. You know, take a look at this material and consult to me what I could do to make it better, cheaper, easier, faster, that sort of thing. And I, and I, and I love my job and I feel I'm very good at my job. But sometimes, especially with the demographic of uh, bodybuilders, powerlifters, and strength athletes, there are things. There are things in there. And this is one of those things. Um, a little background. When I got my education, I'm going to give away just about how old I am, the compound that is presently and commonly known as growth hormone, human growth hormone, was originally referred to, medically, mind you, originally referred to as somatropic hormone. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. You can look up the history and find out why, but it, it was originally referred to as somatropic hormone. And not relevant to this, but relevant to the, to the, the train of thought is uh, the satellite compound or the uh, downstream compound uh, now referred to as IGF-1, insulin-like growth factor, was originally called somatomedin C. Um, but all, anyway, all of those names have been changed both clinically and in the common vernacular. But nonetheless, the original name was somatropic hormone. And then at times, uh, and that's, it was really in the 80s. Uh, and then by the late 80s, somatropic hormone was a little arduous to to blurt out all the time. So some people were shortening it to STH. So you heard this STH, STH. And then medically, that compound was actually kind of redefined as human growth hormone, 191 amino acid polypeptide known as human growth hormone. So the language went from somatropic hormone to human growth hormone. And then at some somewhere along the way, the human part got lost, and it was just growth hormone, which kind of made sense because we all knew we were dealing with humans. You're really not very relevant to talk about dog growth hormone. So it, it seemed it seemed a sensible change without any offense to the root material. So we went somatropic hormone to human growth hormone to growth hormone, and then came the silly abbreviations. Then we went to HGH. Well, we'll just call it HGH. That's much shorter. So we're losing letters. We're losing syllables. We're lose, losing language the whole way. We get to HGH. And then in the 90s, HGH just simply got shortened to GH. Well, now we're down to just two letters that represent this incredibly complex and, and intricate compound, this 191 amino acid polypeptide that scientists spent decades trying to synthesize in a lab 
trying to specialize breed E. coli bacteria to generate this, this, this product through recombinant means. So we're all the way down to two letters. We're at GH. And when I see someone's spreadsheet with their pharmacological data and I see GH, I tolerate it because, you know, in Excel, those columns are kind of narrow. And I'll, I'll accept that. You shortened it for the sake of saving space on the page. Make it, that's, my, that's my rationalization for why you did it. Personally, when I write it, I actually write it all out, uh, and I drive people crazy doing that, but I do. And anyone out there that knows me knows damn well I'm telling the truth. But anyway, so just the other day, I received this package to review, and I saw the ultimate manifestation of this phenomena. Not somatropic hormone, not human growth hormone, not growth hormone, not HGH, not GH, but what did I see in the column? Just literally a G. Folks, we are down to monophonetics now. We are down to one note. It's just G. Really? You know what? I, I shouldn't be this mean. I shouldn't be this sarcastic. And the person that's paying me to review that might even be listening to this damn show. But you know what? I hope fucking Google owns the trademark on the capital G. And they sue you for a fucking Google dollars. So that you could spend the rest of your life in a fucking debtor's prison learning how to spell somatropic hormone, fuck doodle. Oh my God, in the immortal words of the great comedic genius George Carlin, beware of dumbed down language, it is only there to accommodate the fucking dumb. Oh my God, really, just G, G, really? We're going to have legions, legions of 300 pound brow ridge flipper foot fucktards with 50 inch waistlines just making monophonetic grunts just guh, 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 as they reach for the bottle and syringe really just g oh uh, i can't I, oh i can't even say anymore i'll i'll actually lose my shit but folks please if you can't utter all of the syllables all the letters all the words all the sounds you, you probably aren't up to the task of doing or using the thing in question. Please, step up your game just a little. Is it any wonder the rest of the sporting world, much less the greater world, doesn't take bodybuilders, powerlifters, and strength athletes seriously? Seriously, when that's the sort of presentation we make? Guh, guh, uh, oh, for love of God. Anyway, on, on to something a little lighter, perhaps. Maybe. Um, <laughs> in keeping with the Sports Performance Radio Extra, you're going to get a little bit extra. And this next bit is um, an audio rip from a video that I've done some time ago. But I, I think it's pretty relevant. I think it's useful. I think you'll get something out of it. It is kind of on the concept of the if it fits your macros. But it really uh, illustrates the top-down train of thought, the top-down method, or the Pareto Principle. So from here, I will leave you. You will pick up with a pre-recorded audio rip from the past. And I will see you on the first of the month with Sports Performance Radio. This is Sports Performance Radio. Today's video is kind of spurred on by um, an interaction with a client. Uh, we were discussing that individual's uh, diet, their nutritional program. And uh, a, a question about the if it fits your macros or the IIFYM, I hate stupid acronyms and abbreviations and diminutives of all types that just burns me up as a name, but it's a thing, it's, it's out there, um, getting a lot of buzz on the internet, um, actually a little bit of that's passed, this video is probably a little late on the scene, but the concept is out there and 
my, my answer to this person was apparently a little surprising, and that is absolutely it's a real thing. Uh, absolutely it's, it's essentially correct and, and real. I'm a very big believer in what, it, when I got my education, was called the top-down theory, or being a generalist. And um, in modern terms, uh, it's kind of been, been sold under the same name of the 80-20 the principle, or uh, the Pareto principle. Um, you can quick Wikipedia that, uh, P-I-R-E-T-O, Pareto principle. Uh, anyway, it, it basically states that a very small amount of the material leads to a very large amount of the results. 80-20 uh, is the numbers that are bantered around. And it means if you master 20% of a complicated context, about 80% of the results will be yours. For instance, a, a foreign language. Uh, if you can grasp 20% of the key, key 20% of the vocabulary, you have about 80% usage of the language. And uh, it consistently turns out to be true. And as all of these generalist ideas apply, they apply to everything at large. So it very much applies to nutrition. About 20% of the, the absolute necessity generates about 80% of the results. So the if it fits your macros thing really is an accurate and valid concept. With caveats, um, the, the way it applies to nutrition would be this. I would look at the generalist concept. What is absolutely most important? And that is getting nutrition. Getting enough calories to be larger or smaller, whatever your particular goal at the time is, let's say getting larger, gaining, gaining muscle mass. It's about achieving a calorie quantity. That's paramount. So if it fits your macros, ultimately says first, we must do this, we must get this. Without achieving your calorie goal, all bets are off. Your, your diet will fail. Doesn't matter how high quality the food is, doesn't matter how much protein you're getting, doesn't matter how wonderful the fats are and all of that. If you're under eating, you are going to be under growing. So from a, an 80-20 principle outlook, calories first. So if you get enough calories, you're a very large percentage of the way there. So the if it fits your macros concept really applies. It's absolutely about getting enough calories. But then you must look at second tier. Okay, so we've got the 80% of our, our, our target goal because we've accomplished our 20% of key items. Now what's under that? What's better than 80%? And then that would be macronutrient composition. Getting the right amount of protein and uh, approximately the right amount of carbohydrates and fats. Um, in the case of bodybuilding, it's probably mostly about achieving a protein requirement, a nitrogen requirement, and then down the tier from there. The one thing that most of the If It Fits Your Macro people don't want to address, and it's really, I think, the reason they latch, latch onto that concept, is food quality. So in, in order of importance, it would probably be food volume or calorie content, macronutrient breakdown, ratios of fats, proteins, and carbohydrates, and then lastly, but equal, not equally important, but also very, very relevant, particularly for the long term, is food quality. Food quality determines health, and health determines the sustainability of any endeavor. From a pedigree point of view, I am a biologist, and ultimately, the health of a species, or an individual within a species, determines the survivability of said individual or species. It's about health on the long term. 
the healthier you are, the harder you could train, the more consistently you could train, the less injuries you get. You miss less workouts than somebody else. And from a survival point of view, in, in terms of the, the, the athletic endeavor, your survival rate is higher because your health is higher. So food quality is very much a relevant point, but it is only relevant in the context of did you get enough protein and did you get enough calories? So from a top-down point of view, yes, it's down the tier from if it fits your macros, but it can also be very solidly argued that he who eats the highest quality foods will most likely have the highest quality health and therefore the highest sustainability and therefore the greatest success rate on the long term. On the short term, the number one factor is did you meet your goals in terms of energy requirement? Then did you meet your goals in terms of nitrogen requirements? Then did you meet your goal of eating reasonably high quality foods? So the if it fits your macro is really accurate, but it's a tip of a much larger iceberg that ultimately becomes human nutrition and then even the subspecies of that, which becomes sports performance. But I, again, I think my answer to this person was a little surprising that I absolutely said, sure, it's absolutely correct. You have to you know, meet your macros. I would change the name to if it meets your macros rather than fits because it gives you the concept of you're, you're striving for something because you are, you should be, you should be. Um, but anyway, there you are, just a real quick kind of little rant video blog on the concept of if it fits your macros and the Pareto top-down principle, uh, both of which I pretty much endorse. Um, the top-down principle, absolutely, I believe in that entirely. Um, the Evil Genius Sports Performance Training Approach, Recovery Approach, and Nutrition Approach are all pretty much based on the top-down. If you don't do some core fundamental things, everything that comes after that is pretty much a waste of time. Uh, so I, I very much endorse that. So I apologize for being gone. I hope this helps or at least uh, reinforces some ideas or makes you ask some new questions. Uh, really big believer in communication, especially in this age of social media. Don't be afraid to stop what you're doing and give me hell or say thank you or anything in between. Uh, I pretty much listen to and respond to all comments. So until next time, be Chavez, Evil Genius Sports Performance. Stay strong. Thank you for listening to Sports Performance Radio. Thank you.